Let's Talk Native is produced at the LTN Studios on the Cataraugus territory of the Seneca Nation. We break all the rules for Native media by peeling back the layers of assimilation and indoctrination. No prayers, no buffalo speeches, and no spirituality shows. While this podcast does not provide a path to spiritual enlightenment, we do take a tough look at history, oppression, and our survival. We highlight the voices of Native activists, writers, poets, artists, thinkers, and musicians who are fighting for the rights of Indigenous people all over Turtle Island. We may step on a few toes through our examination of culture, art, politics, history, and identity. But the real goal here is to bring our people together by breaking down what separates us. In this moment of historical change and social justice, Our voices matter now more than ever before. So, welcome to Let's Talk Native with John Kane. Sambo and welcome to Let's Talk Native. I am John Kane, and I've got a really good show lined up here today. Um, We talk about having... uh, leading activists join us on the show and i do have a uh, a very prominent activist joining us on the show today but before i get into that i i do want to really offer my gratitude and thanks to janine yazi for joining us on a really great show here our last show here but also she joined us on uh, on my new york show my let's talk show on wbai uh regan deloggins wasn't available who's my co-host she wasn't available on uh, on Thursday, she had something come up, so I essentially uh, had Janine join me as a uh, as a guest co-host for the program. And both those shows are just really, really good shows. We we had great conversations, and we and they're different conversations. The, the show we did here last, we talked a lot about you know, specifically Navajo leadership, and you know the. the the fact that Navajo, Navajo leadership had spoken in the RNC convention, in the DNC convention. Um, and, but in the New York show, we talked more generally about Native leadership pandering to, um, to the two-party system of the United States. And the fact that millions of dollars, millions and millions of dollars flow with that pandering. So we had that conversation and, and, and it was really a great conversation, both shows. I encourage you to look to check out our podcast, uh, check out the last show that we did here on Let's Talk Native with Janine Yazi, and check out the last Let's Talk show, the, the WBI show that we did. Those are two great programs to, to not only watch, but again, share them with others. I think we covered... Um, we covered in a way uh, material that I've talked about before, but there's something, there's just something different about having a guest who is from a completely different territory, a territory very, very far away from where we sit here today. And to invite a Dene person from Navajo territory to have a conversation that we may not always align with. You know, I, I fully expected that when, when Janine joined me, there may be some places that we wouldn't agree. But it's remarkable almost, the fact that we could have two people, uh, very different people from very different territories, different cultures. Um, and, we, and we talked and agreed on so many issues, and, we, and we, we really did share the same sentiment on a lot of this indoctrination and assimilation. And look, we didn't organize our thoughts or our conversation. We didn't corroborate with each other first to make sure that our stories were straight. I was fully expe- fully prepared to have Janine not agree with me on a few things, but that just didn't happen. It was almost uncanny how much in agreement we were. And 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 again, I can't say enough on, about how remarkable it is that two cultures so different from each other, so far from each other, could produce the same ideologies. Uh, and, and the same view of where we are today, even though, again, come from a different place, but we could get to the same place, and and it's pretty remarkable. And, and so I very I very much encourage people to to check out those two shows. And and I, again, I want to thank Janine for for joining for joining us here. Um, you know, I'd love to have her come back. Maybe she could be a bit of a regular guest uh, if if she's willing. But I also you know have an open invitation to Janine because. I'm hoping that if she has something that she needs to to get out there, that she'll call me. It's not just that I have to invite her. 
that that she can call me anytime because she has an issue <clears throat> that needs to be talked about. So uh, I, I, I very much look forward to that. Um, but before I get get to my guest, there's something really, really interesting that that plays out because of being uh, a prominent voice. You know, I, I'm I'm a, an outspoken. Uh, person and in fact my, my guests will probably talk about this a little bit too um and because you're outspoken you're gonna have some people who absolutely you know are um interested in what you have to say and and are glad to hear somebody say it. i mean one of the best compliments i can receive from anybody is like damn i'm glad you said that i've thought something like that for a long time and i've never quite put it to words and to hear you say it uh is a good thing but then there's the other folks the other folks like who the hell is this freaking guy you know, and, and the question comes, do I look native enough? That was actually brought up on Facebook this, <laughs> this week that I somehow, I, I guess I don't pass the, uh, um, I, I don't know, the, the, the mascot test or something. I don't look, look enough like a logo or something. <laughs> so, but, it's, but it is interesting because you, if you're going to be outspoken, you're going to, look, you're going to please some people and you're going to piss some people off. And for me... I'm not trying to convince everybody to see things everything my way, but these are tough conversations that we need to have, and these are tough subjects that we need to have. These are tough times to have them in, and we are people who have been so inundated with, with assimilation policies and, and, uh, and efforts to indoctrinate us that it leaves, as I always say here on the show, it leaves us in a place where our identities are really, really been mangled, and, and even for many of us, we are left unsure. We are left with the identity crisis. Not only are we, are we struggling to define, our, assert our identity to others, we struggle within. And, and, and I think it's, it, it's something that's it, it's worth mentioning. All right. So I wonder, I wanted to bring that up because, look, I know I'm not, you know, putting kitten videos out there. I mean, I, I know that my, I'm not a viral sensation by any stretch of the imagination. You know, my popularity isn't what I'm going for. I'm trying to say something that needs to be said. And if people gravitate towards it or grab a hold of it and, and, and say, man, I'm glad this conversation is taking place, then that's great. That, and, and that encourages me. And, but you know what? If you say, the hell with this freaking guy, I don't want to hear, uh, hear from him. That kind of encourages me too. So, so I guess there's no way to shut me up. So, uh, all right, let me go ahead and introduce. I want to in introduce um, somebody who you may have seen his picture. <laughs> because uh, Mike Zetekayandas is, is, uh, is a guy that has been, I mean, Mike, you have been almost at every um, notable event. Uh, and I don't want to just call them protests because these are acts of defiance and these, are, these are, aren't just protests. These are physical acts of, of, of blockades and that kind of stuff. You've been involved and I've seen your picture so many freaking times over the internet, not just on Facebook, but you've been, you've been at a lot of things. And so I think you're a perfect person to bring up as a, you know, as a perennial <laughs> activist on Native <laughs> issues. So thank you for joining me, first of all. Uh, thank you for having me. <laughs> well, and I and I bring up some of the stuff that I talk about because you you kind of made a made, you made me laugh real hard when we spoke the other day because uh, um, you were you were questioning uh, who is this John Kane anyway and you happen to do it amongst <laughs> somebody who's just one of my longest oldest friends and who happens to be a very old friend of yours my good friend Verna and she scolded you for <laughs> for thinking ill of me I guess <laughs> yes she did. So my hat's off to, to Verna always. Uh, we do go back quite a ways. And in fact, you know, I'm talking to you from Cataraugus, which is where Verna is actually originally from. So uh, we, we, have a, we have a pretty strong relationship. Her, you know, her, uh, her, I, I, was, I was close with her hu husband, Gaguir um, uh, and, uh, and and her son, Sugar, or Aguirre Um uh, And so I, uh, we, go back, we go back a ways anyway. So uh, I, 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 <laughs> I thank her for defending me. <laughs> <laughs> but, you well, know, I I, yeah, but I guess my point that I just wanted to say is that, look, and I'm sure you go through the same thing. You must get hit with a, a plenty of slings and arrows as many, uh, as much as any accolades. So, um, and it's just, the, it's just, it's the nature of the business, huh? It, it seems that way. <laughs> it, it, <laughs> it's a heck of a sacrifice we have to make for, for our people. 
Well, and it is, and and I think that's exactly what it is. Yeah, I wanted to, you know one of the the times that I I first became aware of you just as a, again more as a, a, a as an image because of your pictures was uh, was your involvement in the the first conflict uh, associated with Caledonia in in two thousand six. There were there were some incredible images. There were there were videos. I remember somebody, and I don't know who it was. Somebody did a video, and they set all of the images of that conflict to um, the Dixie Chicks song "Not Ready to Make Nice," and it was a it was a great video, and it and it it really had a lot of uh, a lot of views on YouTube. And there was actually another site called Rescast that used to have used to host videos, and um, and I and and your images is, is in that video several times. I said, man, sometimes I got to talk to that guy. When I first reached out to you, I didn't even know where you were from, uh, honestly, <laughs> because I had associated you with with kind of somebody who made the rounds, and it's like I said, it seemed like you were everywhere. Uh huh. <laughs> well, tell talk to me about how you how it was that you got involved in the Caledonia uh, conflict in the first place, and, and 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 we can talk about takeaways and stuff like that from that. How how did you get involved in Caledonia? I, I got involved in there when a phone call came to our longhouse in Okwazasne, uh, and there was two grandmothers sitting there, and we were talking to the war chief from Caledonia, from up from Six Nations, whatever you want to call it, Grand River, um, that they needed help. And there was four of us men standing there, and we looked at each other, and... They said, uh, we asked them how soon they needed us. They said right away, and we got our stuff together and our clothes together, and we went. You know, we went there to uh, sit and observe in the beginning. When we got there before they uh, executed their first uh, injunction from the sheriff's department. Mm -hmm. And one of the gentlemen that was with me was also... uh, a legal brain, like, and he knew what kind of paperwork to throw at these people. Right. So at the same time, we were fighting the, their legal things, but we were also showing up to just one kid standing at a choir with, at the front gate and a pile of wood with a plastic over top of it. And we looked at each other when we pulled up, and we said, what the hell did we get ourselves into here? <laughs> and right away, we uh, we put up our, our unity flag, and we had a little uh, discussion about that in the morning when uh, the other clan mothers from, from that reserve came up and talked to us and told us that we needed to take that down and we explained to them what it meant and everything and they understood finally and they let us fly it because they, I also told them if they didn't let me fly my flag I, w- I was going to go home. Right. That I would stand, I stand with the unity flag more than I would that confederacy flag that thing that you got up behind you. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> No, I've I've got the uh, by the way I've got the I've got the unity flag in the corner you just can't quite see it it's it's out, it's out of the frame but it's here. <laughs> but that should be over top of that other one. Anyway, well we're we're gonna do some different angles here so it'll it'll show up in frame uh, as we do different shows here. Uh, I also over, over my other shoulder I've got uh, one of the posters that came from uh, um, the uh, Gunnazadaga Oka uh, crisis uh, kind of a, a a poster I I had the the folks from the Nation office in Gunnawaga send me uh, send me a poster so I can have it on the. Uh, and and I bring that up because again there there's just a series of you know of battles and conflicts whether it's tax issues whether it's the uh, the fight that we have with um, you know with with provinces you know, with states you know what when I went to six when we went to six we were gonna we we swore around we were gonna do it without having to bring up any firearms that we would do everything in peace that we would protect and defend the women and children if they had, were attacked. And that's that's what our duty was, and and that's what we had to teach them men out there. Yeah, it's sometimes it's it's tough because I've been in that situation where I've been uh, called to to go someplace, and and when you like you said when you first arrive, sometimes 
you 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 can be a little disoriented because you realize that it's they don't just need help in terms of bodies oftentimes they need help in terms of organization and uh and you know, and, and for those of us who've been involved in things for a long enough period of time, we have some history under our belt. Under our belt. So we, we kind of know how to navigate these conflicts without, uh, without encouraging them to escalate beyond our control uh, and still be effective. And, you know, look, you know, we, we see all this stuff going on throughout the, the United States over Black Lives Matter and, and you know, people, these protests and, and how they, they kind of uh, drift into, into riots and that kind of stuff. You know, I'm of the opinion that there sometimes there is a place to burn something down. You know, there's a knock a bridge down or, or, or dig up a road and that kind of stuff. So I'm not opposed to that. But I, I think you have to understand that there, that there's always going to be a consequence for the things that you do. So when we take a stand, we've got to, you know, we need to take a stand, leave, a, leave ourselves some wiggle room so we can, you know, not necessarily look like we cave in. And this is where we always get into this thing. Every time we block a road or a rail or something like that, we know that we, we're probably not going to block it permanently. You know, uh, uh, the Oka golf course you know, uh, excluded from that. But, uh, but most things, we're, we're trying to, you know, to disrupt something to call attention to a conflict and to, to an injustice. And, and so we have to make sure that we don't create the, uh, an injustice that is disproportionate to what we're fighting against. And I know this is exactly. always a difficult, a difficult thing to do. Exactly. Exactly. You know, my grandmother and my grandfathers went through this. I seen them go through, stand on the front line. I seen them defend my parents, myself. It's not right. No, and, and, and it, it is, it, this is, it's difficult because we know there's a lot on the line for this stuff because it's not even just what we do. I mean, we know that they're, they're you know, the, the message that we send to others, it, it, well, look, we could do the wrong thing and encourage people to, to start, you know, shooting from the woods. Um, and we know that that could, you know, look, we know that we're outmatched militarily um, from, from a, you know, and, and from resource. But what we have to our advantage is the fact that these are our homes. We have, we, you know, we are defending our, our, our people and our territories and our homes. We know the territories, or, or at least when we, when, even when we go to, to a new territory, the locals know how to get around. So we, we have an advantage, and we have to use that advantage, to, you know, in, in the strongest way possible, uh, possible. Because if, you know, if we do the wrong things, if, if we encourage too much, look, the, the resistance is, is a good thing, but but aggression is one of those things that you know aggression is going to be met with aggression. So I think we need to stand up, and I need we need to be assertive. But it's but yes. you're right. That's a, that's such a fine line. And and when you when you say this and you talk about the history of what our family, our grandparents, you know, and our our parents and and the women, I mean, it it it, it is really remarkable. Um, and this is what I think throws off other cultures how much the women play a role in, in all of this stuff. Not just, not just the clan mothers, but, but young women just standing right beside young men and, and, the, and, and their willingness to assert and, and, to, and frankly, sometimes shame the men to, to do more or, or, or whatever. I mean, I, I think it's, it's sometimes amazing to me that other cultures don't understand um, the, the, you know, how much we value the role of women in, in the, even in these conflicts. Yes, uh, I, I've I've seen some pretty strong women on the front lines, and uh, I didn't want to get in between them. You <laughs> don't, know? You don't don't dare, right? <laughs> I, I tried I tried to push away the cop instead of the girl, and had the other guys grab the girl. You know? Yeah. Uh, I didn't want her turning on me and punching me in the face for trying to stop her from what they were doing to our people. Well, and, like and, the, and the cops don't even have, don't have a clue what they're up against sometimes with, with this. Oh, it's ridiculous. You know, they use all, all Indian cops when, when they came in on us. Did you know that? Yeah. I, I and when, that, when that's they, typical, right? They use 250 OPP officers to attack 17 people that were on the site. That's yeah. it. And they came in like ants. They came in in the morning just like a custard. They pulled the custard. 
Well, and, and you know, and that's what the, the, the tokenism that, that happens when our people get involved in these these police police forces, and, and that goes with this, these tribal. You know, well, you, you know, you see it there even in, in Aquasasne. <laughs> I mean, we see this where, you know, we we don't we don't put enough respect, and this is what you and I were talking about uh, the other day. We don't put enough respect to our us creating our systems that are that are within Guyana or Goa, that are within our culture. We we seem to still be drawn to emulate what the state does. We want to put cops and dress our guys like them. We want we want to put them in cop cars. We want to you know we want to have judges in courts just like theirs. We want to you know rearrange our governance systems that look like theirs. We we have our own. Of course we, we do. Of there's course nothing we, do. we need to change to it. There's nothing to change. We just gotta live by it. Well, and it's oh. interesting that when you talked about going out to Caledonia, um, you know, you the main reason. We, when we go into a territory that's not ours, um, or that's not our home, put it that way, it's, it, uh, you know, mm. I, be careful, of, I guess, with the language, but I guess, but when they're not our homes, and, and the reason we go there to observe first is because the, many times there's internal conflict associated with these external conflicts. And so we, the first thing we have to do is fi- figure out who's who and how to navigate the, the internal nature of, of, of the conflict so we can stand in unity against the outside. It, I always feel much better about going to a place where, where the outside is, the, is, the, is our opposition. I mean, you, you, went, you went to Cayuga, and, and I know that was just an, a, you know, a cluster F, to, to use a partial expression. I mean, because there was so the, the factionalism that was there, it wasn't even a fight from the outside except for what the internal folks hired from the outside. It was, and these are the tough ones. These are the tough ones because when, when you've got to go into a native territory to fight other native people, man, that's always a tough situation. Oh, most definitely, most definitely. I had to fight my own, with my own family, actually. I didn't have to fist fight nobody. I'm glad of that. <laughs> yeah. But I did, I did have to, to uh, go up against my own family on it, and they were telling me, go home, go home, go back to Akwazasne, go home. And my mother is actually from Six Nations okay. originally. So I'm a Cayuga from, from Six Nations, mm-hmm. really, actually. Mm-hmm. Okay. If, if we follow the true traditional ways. Right. You know, I, I, I'm supposed to follow my mother. But also, my mother moved here. And when we were younger, my mother, we were going through Longhouse and everything here. And they ended up giving us all Mohawk names, all those Cayugas. So it's kind of, there was a kind of wrongdoing there, and then it was a, a more of a blessing than a wrongdoing because I learned truly what it is to be a real warrior, not only a fighting warrior, but one that, that can go around with respect and show people how to also want to be just like that. Well, and, and, and this he, is one of the reasons that, that I get so annoyed with um, the, the mascot issue is that they want to represent us as as people who are just <clears throat> like fierce, bloodthirsty thirsty creatures and not acknowledge that one of the things that drives us most of all is, is the maintenance and the uh, and the the restoration of peace. And and that peace is, you know, when we say, you know, um, uh, Skana, we're not we don't say it as a thing. We say it as a process. It, it's it's a constant effort to to restore balance and harmony. And and so that, that's that that's what the four sacred ceremonies are for. You know that, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And and there's a lot of people that don't even know what the four sacred ceremonies mean, but they'll go there and sit there and be a lump on a log or be counted or whatever they want to call it. But it's not truly being a true. With whom a person? Yeah, and 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 part of it, you know, and and in the, in the defense of people who don't know, though, we we oftentimes get into this conflict. And I've talked about this on the show before, where there are people who are knowledge holders who are not always that readily of willing to to share that knowledge. In fact, sometimes they use that knowledge that they retain as power over people. And I'm I'm, I'm, not, I'm not citing anybody yes, specific. Yes. That's exactly true. That is true. So when people don't know, it's because, you know, they're also oftentimes shunned from asking questions. You know, my friend, my friend, Ed Schindler, who joins me all the time, he said, you know, if you don't ask the questions and and if somebody says it's wrong to ask, then uh, then they need to be called out on that. They don't know. That's why they say (laughs) say that to you. (laughs) 
That's, That's true. just like, I, hey, I went to a, a brother of mine passed away, and he, he was from uh, Cattaraugus. I went to his funeral. I brought my ribbon shirt. It was a red ribbon shirt. Right away, they all come after me, and you can't wear that red ribbon shirt. You're not allowed to wear red. I said, oh, yeah? Really? Tell me why. Just because I told you you can't. That's why. Don't ask no questions. Just do as you're told. And yet you'll see a red, white, and blue flag hanging close by, right? Oh, I put a unity. I put a. I put one of them smaller unity flags on his coffin when before they closed it, and one of them grabbed it and threw it on the floor, and I grabbed it up and I put it back, and I said, "Well, if you don't want to see it," and I I reached in and I put it on his lap. It's a good Where way. they couldn't see it. It's going to get buried, so it's a good place for so you don't it's have to see going it. With, it's going with him whether you like it or not. He was my brother. There you go. There you go. You know, I stood, he stood side by side with me in a lot of things and a lot of fights we got into. Of course I'm going to be there. Well, you know, we're going to take a break here. We're at the bottom of the hour. When we come back, I want to talk to you a little bit about um, this conflict that that sometimes can surround the unity flag, and you know, I'm, uh, it's it's our plan here. We're we're going to actually do a short form video uh, that'll. We also need to, We also need to add that genocide that comes along with with our teachings. We're trying to teach our young ones, but yet the genocide is still being pushed at us. That we're being forced to put our kids in in white man school. Instead of putting them in an Indian way school where they can learn their own language and truly learn the true meaning of what it is of that skana. I, I agree. I agree. All right. Hey, we'll, we'll take a break. We'll come back and we'll uh, we'll touch on a couple of those subjects when we get back. This is John oh. Gain, Gain and I've got Mike Sadegayandas uh, from Aquasasni uh, joining us. And uh, we've got some pretty good conversation going here. So uh, we'll be right back after this. All right. Hey, uh, thanks for coming back. This is John Kane. Um, I do have my uh, my guest, Mike Satekayandas, uh, joining me. Uh, before we get back into it, and we do have some things we, we definitely want to hit on here. Um, I do want to thank my sponsors. I want to thank Ross and Holly John and the RJE family of businesses. I want to thank uh, Eric White at ERW Enterprises and the folks at Grand River Enterprises for, uh, for helping us to do what we do here and helping this voice you know, and a voice continue to do this sometimes against, uh, against the odds, I guess. Uh, but we're into our 11th year now. And, uh, I, we we certainly aren't going to run out of things to say. So as long as I can, you know, still muster the support that allow us to do what we're doing here, we're going to try to have the tough conversations that need to be had. And we're going to, you know, we're going to educate and, and share, uh, you know, share our stories. All right, Mike, I want you know, you touched on this a little bit, um, and we will uh, we'll, we'll address the, the genocide issue because I think that's a definition problem that, that people don't quite understand. Um, but before we do that, though, um, I'm really aware of the conflict that uh, that has almost been invented around the unity flag. I mean, I know where the unity flag comes from. I, I was I was friends with with Louis Hall. Um, I know how how many iterations of that image was created to create a flag that could be used uh, as a uh, as a symbol that all Native people. This it's not a, a Mohawk thing. It was it was intended to be a flag that would unify all of us around a, a symbol and and exactly u- utilizing something that is so universal to us, like the the sun's you know the image of the sun and a more generic uh, image of, of a Native person, um, and you know and, and and the whole idea was to was to use colors that would represent us and so that all native peoples and 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 it really has been grabbed up and and embraced by native peoples frankly all over the world not even just in in you know what is considered the US or Canada i mean i've i've i personally have mailed <laughs> mailed these flags to places uh you know various places australia and uh, hawaii and and different places and you know we've seen these things you know in in you know in places you might not expect to even see them but we have a, a group of people uh, a certain you know group of people <laughs> that are always trying to um, raise this notion that warriors are an illegal entity within the Haudenosaunee. And and a lot of stuff comes from Onondaga, but it's also tied to the rift that exists between the Code of Handsome Lake and those people who, uh, who, who more 
uh, who embrace the, the guy in Gore or the great law uh, more thoroughly. So, I mean, I, give me your thoughts on, on where this conflict, you know, comes from and, and what you've seen of it. Well, what, what, what I, I truly seen of what happened with that, that warrior's flag was very uh, disturbing, actually. Um, when it first came around here, everybody was flying it. And uh, I have to say that when the casino started out here, that's when the Warriors kind of took to one side, took the casino side, the, the people that were with them. And it turned into a bunch of chaos that shouldn't have happened. And they dragged that flag to the mud. And they, they tainted us as, as warriors and goons that we were, we were against. But yet we were standing against the FBI and CIA on, on the front lines, pointing AK-47s at them as they were shooting, pointing it. Uh, shotguns and, and their revolvers at us, telling us to get off the road. Well, and, and, and to and to kind of put a, a little frame up, some of what that conflict <laughs> in, in Aquasasti was uh, was about. There, there became a time, and, and it's almost ironic when you look at how things end up today. But there, there came a time where the, the, the battle over gaming, whether it was something that we should do or not do, became the the issue, and the lines became drawn. Um, not only was there the um, you know the code of handsome lake followers and and the um, the tribal council folks the band office guys were seemed to be more opposed to to gaming and the and 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 the guys who were more associated with the warrior flag or the unity flag who <clears throat> who on the face of it were defending our right to do it if that's what we decided to do exactly we were exercising our birthright. Right, and, and so it got turned around to say that oh, all warriors are pro-gaming. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not a big fan of gaming today. I mean, I, I was never a big fan of, of the Indian Gaming Regulatory Act. I think this thing has turned into uh, I agree. the, the I tail agree. wagging the dog in so many different uh, cases. And, and the um, very people who are against gaming are the ones who are now operating gaming. And, and, and embrace it, and and, and they they'll go to these casinos for funding. Even you know, even the folks from Onondaga who will, will, will are quick to condemn gaming, they'll come with their with their handouts for their Iroquois nationals or their their canoe paddling, uh, you know, uh, you know, two row wampum renewal things. I mean, exactly. I, they'll they don't they don't think twice about asking for gaming dollars, but they were the ones who who <clears throat> tried to uh, label the warriors as just. Pro gaming, as if it was a dirty organized crime thing that we were all involved in, and but you're right. I think that, and, and you know, I, it's funny because some of that conflict even goes back to you know the the siege at Lorenz, you know, uh, yes, uh, you know, yes, in, in, the, in the seventies, sure because yes. when we stood, because just the nature of us standing up, too. yep, standing up to the outside authorities, it cast us as um as too aggressive for the likes of some of the folks who who were actually teaching us about sovereignty the very people who were telling us that we had the rights to do this do this and do this or the ones who once they saw us flex that muscle they got scared and they backed away from it and and from that point on they labeled the warriors uh, as gamblers as the uh, tobacco lords as uh, you know terrorists all kinds of things and and so they're <laughs> around different I, places. We see, you know, people who get literally get gun shy at at the sight of a of a of a unity flag. I have to laugh at that what you just said about, about, about that because it's funny. Not too long ago, uh, a younger person that knows me went to uh, the heck do they call it criminal justice uh, classes. Yeah. yeah. And they put up a freaking picture of a, a, a terrorist, and it was me standing there with my cross arms with my uh, bandana across my face and warrior hat on. That's what a terrorist looks like. Huh. <laughs> how, how, how ridiculous is that? Yeah. When I, when I would stand and protect every human being, yeah. just like how it says that we come and live under the tree branches of the tree of peace yep. no matter what color our skin is yep. we, br we bring them in no matter what nation they are 
They're all nations, all these different colors. They, they're all welcome to, to pursue. They are welcome living, to come and peace. live our ways. Yep. Now, it, huh? it, it, is, it is crazy. I mean, we know that on the Canadian side, um, Canada had the, the Mohawk Warrior Society uh, listed as one of their number one threats to national security for, for years. We know that the Indian Law Resource Center, um, the, the, the law firm that represented, you know, so-called, supposedly they said the Grand Council, but represented on Adaga, in their annual report for almost a 10 years straight, they listed the outlawed warrior societies as the, as the number one threat to, uh, to, to native sovereignty. And so this is the stuff that, this is the PR that we had to rise up against. And, and, exactly. and, and, and we're still fighting that. Look, I know yes. the, folks like Joe Heath from Onondaga uh, went out to, out, out to Standing Rock and no sooner had he arrived than, than when all of a sudden people were, were looking up at that flag and saying, well, we should take that flag down. And, of course, the, 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 our people from here who went there you know, uh, from Haudenosaunee territory said, no way in hell you're taking that flag down. And so this, there, there became a conflict even at Standing Rock because, because the, the, the unity flag was being flown the, where most people pe- couldn't even understand people, the conflict. The people from Six Nations that went out there, they took that unity flag out there, wouldn't let them take it down. Yeah. Which was a good thing. Yeah. And, and they also taught them exactly what that flag means. Sure. They, they didn't just sit there and say, oh, we're the mighty five nations, you're of course confederacy, we're here to save you. Kind of shit. It's a symbol. It's a symbol of resistance. It was a symbol of yes. unity and a symbol of standing up uh, as, as a distinct people. people. We're yeah. all Indian people. Like yep. you're saying that Indian in the center, he's got one feather. It doesn't mean that he's Seneca. It <laughs> right. means that it means that all Indian nations, all Indian people, yep. are one. Yep. That's what that means. And that that unity flag to me is a peace warrior. Not a, a warrior that's going to go out there and bash heads that when it needs to be, maybe so. But yes, well, the peace, I, the irony first though. The, the irony of being labeled as pro gambling um, is so crazy when you when especially if you look back at at it from today because now all the tribal councils um, have signed up for gaming and they sold out to do it. Hey, they, they, hey, they, hey, they made hey, their hey, deal hey. with the state. How right? come? How come? If we're a part of this five nations Iroquois Confederacy, like that flag you got hanging behind you, how come if we're su- supposed to be part of this big confederacy that we're struggling and, and fighting for scraps from the state instead of going with the, the ones that are already up, like in Niagara Falls, the Sunicas have them? Mm-hmm. Man, it's awesome. You know, Oneida's got a big turning stone casino. How come that can't generate money? To the whole confederacy it can uh, we but, can all be self-sufficient off of that but they're they're paying they're paying hundreds of millions of dollars to the state exactly. so, i mean the, the seneca has paid a billion and a half dollars to new york state in the past they're fighting over trying to withhold uh, a half a billion today and and frankly they're, they're kind of poised to, to pay it out uh turning stone uh, the, the the the, the saint regis Casino is uh, is paying it out. It, it's it's crazy. And you know, here's the other thing: that ain't, that ain't no Saint Regis Mohawk Casino. That's a freaking New York State Casino. Well, Nobody that's exactly none of that. That's exactly right. And you know, and the other thing is is when you consider that all of the churches and all of these organizations, you know, were doing you know gambling, and they say, oh no, that's that's bingo, that's low stakes uh, gambling, that's different. I got to tell you, there was a time that I was wanted. Um, I was on the run for a while, and I went and I, and I went out to Tonawanda, and and a bunch of people came there from different places. Uh, you know, all, all because it was it was a conflict that was uh, uh, the Oneida conflict was uh, was raging, and we went to the Longhouse in in Tonawanda, and they said, "Oh no, no, the meeting's not here. It's over at the uh, the, the tribal offices." And they said, well, "What are all the cars here for?" They were playing bingo in the Longhouse. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, you know, it was, yeah, but no, but it was just, it was just pie bingo, oh, pie bingo, but whatever. But you know, no, so so it is. It's kind of crazy. All right, hey, uh, let me shift gears. That I want to run out of time. You you brought up the genocide issue, and one of the things that I I always try to explain to people is that genocide isn't just 
killing us. It isn't just murder. It isn't just the, the sterilization. It isn't just residential schools. It is those things, but it's not just those things. Genocide is anything that you do that creates a condition that causes a people to cease to exist. And that's exactly what we're still going through with all of these, this indoctrination that comes at the school level, like you talked about, and is these assimilation that comes with everybody who's telling us to go vote in their elections and participate in their census. Mind-altering mind substances. <laughs> it's exactly what they are. Yeah. You know, they, they brainwash our kids to think that they have to live this way, that they have to have these things. This is what we, we have to have in our life. That's a bunch of baloney. Well, and we, we have no. a certain we have a people that do a certain level that that you know do embrace not only their, their church beliefs, but this notion that somehow we have been made better off because of uh, because of white people coming here. And, and and when you break it down, nobody can can really defend that. But that's that's the debate that we have, right? I I don't understand that because they when they came here, they did it in the name of God. All, all this murder and raping and destroying of my people that they did to mass murders that they did to my people, everything that they've done and still doing. Yeah, yeah. Look, we're we're still uncovering the horrors of residential schools, which you I know, know. Which, which may be lay at the foundation of some of this clergy sex abuse scandal that's been, you know, that you know the Catholic Church and the Baptists are uh, are facing. But you you talked about rape. Look, it was a rape culture that came across uh, from from Europe. And, you know, one of the one of the things that the that these voyagers all knew was that their men were carrying venereal disease. You know, when people talk about smallpox and influenza and, and, or tuberculosis, some of these things that, that had you know, dramatic effects on our population, they, they always ignore the fact that the, the first wave of illness that our people uh, faced from European contact was, was, was the venereal disease that came with, with, their, with their rape culture. And, and, we, and that's hardly ever, ever even talked about. A lot of chemical warfare going around. Oh, still, I mean, See, every one secret. of our territories, every one of our we're territories getting, has we're contamination. Sprayed on all the time. Yeah, I mean, Aquasasni, you know, had by all you know, you know, you know, you know, by all definitions, you know, one of the most beautiful rivers that that exist in all in all of the world, uh, in in what they call the Saint Lawrence, but they, one of the most beautiful, you know, flowing bodies of water, and. They lined it up with with industry, and and so you you have contamination that, you know that that's just that's spread across. I mean the the things that we depended on for livelihood, you know, and I mean that St. Lawrence Valley has its own weather systems because uh, you know because what of what it represents. If anybody who's ever driven up there, they can actually see the weather, you know, the the cloud formations that 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 exist solely because of the valley that's formed by the, uh you know by that St. Lawrence River. And yet it has been contaminated in way I mean cancer clusters are are the norm up there. It's so unbelievable that uh the plants up river are still dumping into the rivers. Yep. And it's flowing right through our reserve as we speak. And, and, and even after, you know, even past, uh, you know, our, our territories. I mean, I remember when it was big news how much raw sewage the city of Montreal was dumping into the St. Lawrence a, a few years back. And, and why? Because it was cheaper. It was cheaper to just dump and for, the, for these industries, for these municipalities, for these cities. It was, it was cheaper for them to dump just this toxic waste. Than to than to treat it properly and to and to take the measures to to clean up after themselves. Exactly, yeah. such a dirty people. But you know, and, and but that's that is also part of the genocide. I mean, it, look when we talk about um, environmental racism, you can always tell who the people are going to be most who are going to be most vulnerable and most adversely affected by climate change. And it's always not just indigenous people, but people who are on the lower end of uh, of the economic ladder, and and that that does include indigenous people. But we we see that every place. I mean, one of the first peoples to ever be displaced because of climate change were the uh, Cushada down in, uh, in, in Louisiana because the, 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 their lands got taken over by, uh, you know, by, uh, by climate change. They literally had to be relocated because their, their land sunk because of, uh, because of the rising uh, levels of, of the Gulf of Mexico and the, and the brackish water making it farther and farther inland. 
I mean, native people are always going to bear the the brunt of uh, of this uh, of of this envir- environmental catastrophe that we're facing. We never have. Yeah. So, no. I mean, I I I I agree with what you were saying about you know education, and you know we we do see. I mean, look, they they teach five year olds to pledge allegiance to the flag, you know, and we. We are taking a firmer stance about that, but we're not taking a firm enough stance to make sure that we are taking a bigger role in, in educating our own children. And, mm-hmm. you know, not only should we have our own schools, but I don't think we have a systemic approach on how we how we address the falsehoods that they're taught. How, you know, whether it's Christopher Columbus, whether it's, you know, Abraham Lincoln or George Washington. I mean, we don't. We, so it's piecemeal. I mean, within our families, we might bring it up or might have that conversation. or But we don't, I mean, in none of our territories do we come up with a regimented way to address um, what the curriculum, the curriculum that's being spoon-fed to them, um, even to, to make that adjustment. And, of course, what we really should be doing is what you were saying. We should have more schools, more of our own schools, where we determine the curriculum. Exactly. I mean, and, and you can see... You know, when, when you look at the people who um, who are standing up today, they are the ones who uh, who have been um, impacted by uh, by being taught well when they were young. I mean, I, and, and not everybody has the same body of knowledge behind them, but you can tell the people who have been affected by by at least having some exposure to sound teachings and and, uh, and sound education that comes from our people. Mm-hmm. So pretty much kind of something like what happened when I went to Caledonia. Sure. Sure. I'm sure it was. Uh, it was a hard, rough thing to do, but I was hoping that we would be able to do, get stuff set, signed in stone so that nobody would have to stand up on a roadblock no more. And none of that would ever have to happen again. And I forgot to mention that now my son is out there doing the front line thing. Sure. And I, I can't stop him. No, and in no. fact, you laid the groundwork for him to follow, even though we do, we always approach these things that we can somehow solve a problem, you know, and one of the mistakes that I made when I was raising my kids was I thought, well, look, I'm going to try to address racism so they don't have to be confronted by it. But that was, that was foolishness on my part, because when, when the first time I, I saw my kids have to be exposed to that and, and, and be confronted by racism, um, I had to, you know, look, I, I had to, I got, I had to get angry all over again and, and I had to teach them on the spot. And luckily they had enough in, you know, they've been influenced enough with, with their upbringing already to, to handle themselves pretty well. But, you know, when, when you look at a kid in a school uh, confronting racism, you know, it can, it can seem like, oh, they're just being, you know, belligerent or upstart. And then, then when dad comes in and, and he's every bit the prick that the kid was, all of a sudden the <laughs> teacher's thinking, oh, now I understand. But if, 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 if you didn't go in there and support your kids when they're, fa- when they're confronted with racism or call out racism that white people can't even see, obviously, um, you know, this, this is kind of what we're up against. Still, I like I like how my parents made me never stand up for that uh, pledge of allegiance. Right, and I went to the office. I went to the box for it, and yeah, I had to have my parents go in there and explain to them why I didn't stand for that pledge of allegiance. Mm-hmm. And they stood there and they explained to them, and they, they said, "You do not make my my children do that. Yeah, you, you are not authorized to to allowed to teach them that." Yeah, and, and you know, look, we we never took it to court i mean i think you know there may have been court rulings that that acknowledged our right to, you know to to oppose that imposition but we never did we just said to no we're, 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 just, we're just not doing it yeah but to an ex- certain extent you know and it, it, once it gets to the, where we win they still change it up and oh we got to go back to court and because yeah, we're, yeah. we're re- retrial and whatever they call it but we win yeah yeah and we win again and they do the same thing so yeah, they, how, find, how, they find a different way, right? <laughs> how, how do how do we defeat the most organized crime organization in the whole world? United States and Canada government. 
Well, I'm it, sorry to say that, but that's exactly what it is. Well, and you know, I sometimes wonder how organized they are, but they're certainly well funded, and they certainly do have structure. And you know, and this is what we're we're trying to defeat those systems. We're trying to, you know, we, you know I talk about decolonization. Decolonization is about stripping that away from us. And this is, you know, again, it gets back to what we talked about earlier. Sometimes the folks we have to fight the hardest on this stuff are our own people. You know, and 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 that's the challenge that we that we're still facing. We're still facing mm-hmm. that. Mike, well, I wanna, I, 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 I'll give you uh, your final thoughts. Uh, we're, we're pretty much out of time. Uh, I sure appreciate you joining me here, but if you have any parting thoughts that you want to share with, uh, with anybody, uh, go ahead, have at it. Any final thoughts? Hmm. How much time do I have? <laughs> Not very many. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I can just keep on going and going I here. Know, but, we, we, well, but, I know. Um, I truly want to uh, thank my father mm-hmm. he's passed on right now but i just like to thank him well and we, we do need to thank the, the ones that come before us right and for all the teachings that, that that i i have come up with and that i have and that i do share with the people that come around here and learn this from me well again i want to thank you for joining me uh we'll we'll, we'll speak again and uh you know keep up you know keep up your work and and certainly you know guide your guide your sons and you know and the other young people that uh, that you you have around you uh, again I, I appreciate the good work you've done um hey look um uh, i do want to also, say also, oh, well, go ahead, go also, ahead. also i'd like to say if Vern is still up listening i love you <laughs> take care yeah we're all good here verna (laughs) (laughs) thanks again mike i sure do appreciate it i sure do appreciate it Uh, all right hey i want to mention that um uh we do have a a patreon site set up um uh, it's patreon.com slash let's talk native uh there you can make a contribution you know five you you can you become a member essentially and you uh by making a contribution of five dollars a month or ten dollars a month uh, we're gonna we're gonna look at different things that we can do that will be exclusives to uh, to our Patreon members. Uh, I know we do have uh, a couple of signed up, so um, we, and maybe we'll do some things with with you know maybe we'll, we'll uh, we're thinking about doing some uh, not only some special programming but uh, perhaps we can put some CDs or some DVDs in the mail and that kind of stuff to our to our exclusive members. We're gonna uh, Jake and I will work that out, uh, but we do encourage people to support what we're doing. Uh, I I'm very grateful to our sponsors obviously i am uh but i'm also grateful to the people who who make a contribution from time to time and look i I do uh a couple of shows on radio uh and and the radio stations that i'm on are listener sponsored radio they are not well-funded commercial radio stations so i know that those who who listen to me on wbai or, or wpfw there are those making contributions to those stations in the name of our show let's talk or let's talk native and i appreciate that as well but uh you know look we we are doing um good work here we are trying to bring voices uh, that are not normally getting a platform to be heard on, not just mine, but the v- voices we bring up, like Mike and others. And, uh, and we need your support to do that. So, uh, again, check out our Patreon site, which is um, uh, patreon.com slash Let's Talk Native. Um, I also want to say, if you are not subscribed to our um, podcast or to our YouTube channel, you're missing some content. And so I encourage you to do so. Uh, if, if you just search Let's Talk Native with John Kane podcast, you'll find us, you know, we'll, we'll show up on a number of platforms you can, of your choosing, whatever p- platform you currently use. And if you don't use any um, currently, uh, then, then sign up for one. We post our audio up on SoundCloud, which puts it up as a podcast. We take our video and we, uh, we put it up on, um, on our YouTube channel, which is Let's Talk Native TV. So subscribe to our podcast, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and uh, we'll keep cranking out the content. So I want to thank you for listening. This is John Kane, and this is Let's Talk Native. Mm-hmm.